Hi, I'm Azure Ashby, CPA and creator of the Love Then Money Institute. Each week, I will bring you inside the life of a real couple and their relationship with money in order to help you and your partner master your own relationship with money. We can no longer rely on the taboo of money to justify our avoidance. And we can no longer change the topic when things get real. I believe it's time we take our financial future by the reins and take control of the money conversation. And we do that by actually having the conversation. So get ready to listen, relate, and be inspired to achieve your financial dreams together. Because you know what they say, first comes love, then comes money. So let's do this. Leslie and Matthew have been married for almost a decade. So I'm Leslie. Um, I grew up, I was born in Dallas, moved to Atlanta with my family when I was 10, went to college in Boston at Brandeis University, came back to Atlanta, and I actually taught one of Matthew's cousins. And um, very long story short, but um, we ended up both being at her bat mitzvah party, but we didn't know each other and we didn't meet each other because I was very seriously dating somebody else. Fast forward many years later, we're both living in New York, single, and numerous people tried to set us up, and we met and decided on our second date that if we did get married, we were going to move to Atlanta as soon as Matthew finished business school, which was wonderful, except we should have said, let's just get married and move to Atlanta and let you finish business school in Atlanta, which is significantly less expensive. Right. Um, So we moved to Atlanta when... Um, our oldest daughter was 18 months and have since had two other children. And we've been living in our house for almost eight years. They are sitting in their home of eight years in Atlanta, Georgia, in front of their computer, talking to me, Azure. I know Matthew from high school. It was a big school, but we were in a sub program that was pretty small. So everybody was like a family. We follow each other on Facebook, so I think we think we know what's going on in each other's lives. But we recently reconnected when I launched these podcasts. So this evening, I'm talking with them about something that's more personal and private than what we share on Facebook, right? We're talking about their relationship. And if that wasn't enough, we're also talking about money, their money, and personal finances. It's a lot to unpack. And it's something that most people aren't really comfortable talking about. That's why I wanted to do this podcast. And that's why Matthew and Leslie wanted to do it, because they also see the benefit in helping others start to have this conversation amongst themselves. Great. So I would say financial role. When we got married, um, I think that we kind of stepped into our roles um, as we needed to see that, like, uh, for example, I was um, doing my MBA and Leslie uh, leaned on me more for help with financial stuff, like I helped to do taxes. And um, I consolidated all our bank accounts and consolidated our checking accounts and credit cards and all that stuff. And um, I'm always trying to look at and try to um, uh, figure out how we can optimize the bills and things like that. So that's very much been my role in finances. I think Leslie's been um, the watchdog, making sure that I'm doing what I'm supposed to doing, helping double check second guess me, which is it's always a good role to have. <laughs> Makes me sound like a bitch. No. 
<laughs> no, not at all. Matthew, Matthew takes care of the mail, opens up the bills, makes sure that all of the you know bill the automatic bill pays are going through. Make sure that we have cash flow. That some bills are set to go out at the beginning of the month and some after the middle of the month. Making sure that all of that is taken care of. He does do the taxes, which uh, but I had done that when I was single. I did taxes by myself and not on a computer. I did it actually like with a paper pencil thing. So, yes. yes. Thank, thank you very much. And those with one. Do not uh, six W two. It doesn't matter. I did it by myself, Um, (laughs) completely by myself. So, um, so much so that when I finished and I got a number at the end, I thought that meant that that's money that I owed the government, and I started crying because I didn't have that much money in my bank account. And then someone pointed out to me, "No, no, no, that's what you get back." Because I didn't know. (laughs) I never knew that taxes make you get money back. I thought it was just more money that you owed. They both have their own stories, experiences, and understanding about money. They bring all of that into their relationship. And over the course of weekly sessions, I chat with them about their money and their relationship. And at first, conversations like these are intimidating, but I'm used to having them. I'm a CPA, and I have so many couples come in and out of my office who have trouble communicating about money. And so what I've seen over the years is that The inability to talk about this subject is something that really puts a damper on a relationship, right? I mean, if you're avoiding the subject or if one person's in charge and the other one has no input, it's a lot to not let that affect the relationship. So I'd like to disclaim right here that I'm not a therapist. I'm a CPA. But what I'm doing is basically I am taking the subject of money with which I'm very familiar And I'm unpacking feelings that we have surrounding it. And then we're taking those feelings and building a financial future together that we're both on board with. So that's my goal for these podcasts and the couples that I work with. And my role, so Matthew does all of that. And my role is to kind of calm him down a little bit and say, okay, but we do have money to spend on this. And if I go and and if I'm $8 with books at the library, it's not going to change our standard of living. And we can leave the lights on because we have money in the bank and it's okay to have a light bulb burning for an extra hour of the day kind of a thing. Got it. That's, that's my role is to calm him down a little bit. Yeah. I I would like one of those USA stickers that says, you know, turn the light out when you leave the room. (laughs) You know what I'm talking about? (laughs) Yep. That's funny. Um, so are you both happy with your your current roles? Or would you want your role or each other's role to change in some way? I think the roles are... That's a complicated question because over the past four years, um, mm-hmm. I've changed jobs multiple times. Leslie changed jobs multiple times. And we haven't really stabilized. Um, we were stable for the first what, four years work here. Yeah. And it was finances were, you know, every once in a while it was stressful. We had a big bill that was unexpected coming through, but by and large, it wasn't like we have now where um, we're all changing jobs. Uh, for example, last year I switched from a full-time job to three different consulting gigs and then got my current full-time job that I have now. Leslie switched from her full-time job to another full-time job. Which is significantly better and paying more, thank God. Yeah, so it's it's yeah. definitely, I think that has made our roles more stressful. It's, it's made Matthew's role a lot more stressful. We got very close to 
to almost bankruptcy in October. Matthew was out of work for 10 months and we were literally yeah. at the, how, we're, we're going to have to sell our house moment. Um, when thank mm-hmm. God, thank God he finally landed a job, which was paying, was paying more than we anticipated him being paid. Yeah. Awesome. But I would, I would like my role to be a little bit more expanded. Matthew often makes, um, Matthew's more stubborn than I am, mm-hmm. which is hard. I'm an incredibly stubborn person, but Matthew will often make decisions that in a moment of weakness, I'm like, fine, just do whatever. But we haven't really discussed it. And I've just kind of given in. And so, for example, the most recent one that just happened a couple days ago, Matthew was finishing up the taxes. We hadn't put any money into our IRAs at all this year because we were so lean on funds. Matthew wanted to put money in so that we could save money on taxes. It was $4,000. And I wanted that money to be spent on redoing our basement so that we can all enjoy the basement instead of just Matthew enjoying the basement. Right. I, I get, I think in a moment of weakness, probably at 1030 at night, one night I was like, fine, just do whatever you want. When I didn't really mean that. And when I saw the money going out and I saw the bank account, what, you know, what we had left that obviously there's not enough money now to do the basement. I was really annoyed with him. Like, Yes, we got $400 back in taxes because you said $4,000 to the IRA, then we're not going to see that for many more years. But redoing the basement would have been so much more, quality of life would have been increased so much more than $400 worth of quality of life. Got it. So, yeah. So I want to be able to communicate with Matthew about major, major financial decisions in a way that we're both on the same page. Yeah. And that absolutely makes sense. Um, and so typically we're kind of getting into the meat of it, which is good. Um, (laughs) um, but typically just out of curiosity in those situations, is it, um, I'm assuming you voice your opinion and how does that go? He apologized this morning and said he was wrong. So it went really well for me. I still don't have the $4,000 to do the basement. Correct. Um, okay. So, but in the moment, how does it go? It's, it's, is it like both of you kind of like digging your heels or is it, how does it go in the moment when the decision gets made? I think in the moment it's, I explain what I need to do. Um, Half the time, Leslie's busy doing something, so maybe that's uh, a flaw on my side. I should make sure she's giving 100% of her attention. Mm-hmm. Um, and Yeah, that's often the case. I'm in the middle of doing something else or my thought is somewhere else, and I'm not really fully paying attention to what he's saying until he's like halfway finished, but I'm like, what? And um, so I need to say, wait, back up. Let's start this over again, or let's not discuss this at 10 o'clock at night because... I'm, I'll say anything at that point just for you to shut up so I can go to bed. Right. <laughs> Argument at that point in time. Um, but again, Matthew's more stubborn than I am. So nine times out of 10, I'll just give in just to like move on with life and then have him apologize later when I, he realizes that I really was correct. One of the first things that I asked Matthew and Leslie to do was define their financial roles in the relationship. I also wanted to know about their relationship roles outside of finance, like how they communicated with each other emotionally in the marriage. Does Matthew bring flowers home without a reason, or does Leslie pack work lunches for Matthew just because? 
I also asked them about their love languages, which is this great book. And if you haven't read it, I'd highly recommend it. Sure. Let's talk about it. So I, um, I do like surprise gifts and things like that, or, or even if it's not, it doesn't have to be expensive, but just a, um, a something that showed that you thought about me. I also really like, um, like it sounds so dumb to say that you want praise, but the, when pe- we no. you notice things when, you know, like this morning, Matthew, I try and praise as much as I can, because I know that's what I want. He was like amazing this morning with the kids. And I called on the way to, I called on the way to yes. work, right. To say like, thank you for, and I was very specific. So I like when people are very specific with their praise, but, um, and I, and I also, I do like the gifts and things like that. Awesome. And- okay. And then <laughs> Matthew. <laughs> Um, I think I like, I don't know, kind of particular, I like things set up in a certain way. I like serenity and quiet and just, just things set up nicely. And so Leslie does that. Uh, like when I get home, you know, she's dimmed the lights a little bit and the countertops packed away. So it's not, there's not stuff everywhere. And she gives me a, a quiet rundown of, what's going on. It's not like, um, a, uh, an inquisition of, um, who's on first, who's on second type of thing. Um, but those are the lovely, what are the love languages again? There's praise. So, yeah. There's words of affirmation, which is the one you're talking about. There's gifts, there's a uh, physical touch. There is, um, acts of service. So that would be my and acts of service. that would, yeah, I think that would fall under acts of service and Go ahead. Matthew, like he needs more touch sometimes at the end of the day. I'm like, just mm-hmm. I just don't want to be touched right now. And it's definitely better since I, I used to teach and then come home and be with, with my, our own children. And at the end of the day, I was like, I will do anything for you. I just won't touch you right now. Like I, I need my own physical space. He needs right. more touch. Got it. Um, so, yeah. And if you remember in the book, it, I mean, in our tendency is always to give love in the way that we want to receive it. But, you know, and since you guys have like read the book, you obviously know that it's, it's more about giving love in the way the other person most likes to receive it. So, um, did you, did you, when you first went through that, did you kind of see a spike in that and it's kind of dimmed or did you never kind of fully latch onto that principle or kind of how did that work for you? I think, I mean, firstly, we did the, a, a class on it, like, I don't know, three, four years ago. So it's been a while, but, um, I don't know. We do things differently. Like, I would say this phase is in our relationship just shortly after, um, we got married. Um, I made the mistake or actually didn't make the mistake of, um, celebrating Leslie's birthday basically for an entire for month. A whole month and that good because she really appreciated it um it was definitely a little expensive but it's he's never up, done it since it's a mere <laughs> there's no way you can recreate like yes, gifts every other night um at that level um so it was it was a once a week it was every saturday night for a month i got a surprise yeah and it was amazing even if someone it was just really nice because he took not only did he get them but like he wrapped them Instead of like, here, this is yours. Like with the receipt still attached to it kind of a thing. Um, but we nice. definitely, like the gifts and stuff don't come as often. When we were dating um, and shortly after we were married, Matthew would leave like love notes for me. And um, mm-hmm. like they cost nothing, but I ca- I've kept every one of them. And um, 
definitely right. I look I do look back on them when we're having you know because marriages do go in cycles so when you're having a difficult time I do like to look back at those to try and kind of recapture um why do I love this person <laughs> <laughs> right but um that's not been such a you know off couples I think argue about the same things over and over again the love language thing hasn't necessarily been quite as um much of an issue as some of the other things have been. So the next topic will be on gratitude. And I'm just going to kind of gloss over gratitude because I think it's talked about so much. Um, And I, you know, I have some more videos if you want to hear more about it. But the one thing I wanted to say about gratitude is I, I personally think of myself as a pretty grateful person. Um, You know, I think a lot of us do like, in general, we're just grateful. We're grateful for our lives. We're grateful for, um, you know, our circumstances and that kind of thing. But I think that there's something to be said about being effective at being grateful. And so one thing that someone taught me once was not only to say, um, I'm like, I'm grateful. Like one of my big things is I'm grateful for quiet mornings. Like I get, I like to get up super early in the morning before the birds wake up. (laughs) It's one of my things that I love. Right. And so when I say I'm grateful for quiet mornings, like it's pretty effective. It's nice. But when I say, you know, I'm grateful for quiet mornings because it gives me such peace and such clarity and it makes the rest of my day just flow beautifully, you know, that's so much more powerful. And so, um, the one thing that I wanted to say about gratitude and kind of when you express gratitude either to each other or in your head is basically to make sure that the appreciation or the because is also included in it because it's so much more effective. Does that yeah, make sense? Yeah, I like that a lot. Like this morning, I wasn't just grateful that Matthew helped out with the kids. I was grateful that he helped out so much with the kids because it ran really smoothly. It made me less tense. I had a really busy day at work today. I knew it was going to be very, very difficult um, because of some fires that I was going to have to put out. And his ability to be really smooth sailing with the kids this morning allowed me to have my headspace cleared so that I could be prepared for the morning and not go in like already jittered. Right. Yes. I love that. That's perfect. That's exactly (laughs) what I'm talking about. So that's awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. So, um, cool. So, oh, um, so I, I'm including in your, um, like your handouts, um, a, like a gratitude exercise, but it's not something that we're going to ever go over. Um, but, um, it's like an optional, if you want to do three things about each other that you're grateful for, um, the, I, I'm providing you the little handout for that. So that's kind of an optional thing and this will all be outlined, but, um, I just kind of wanted to throw that out there as well. So I like to go into these sessions thinking specifically about what's going to help this couple. And so when I hear what they're saying, I'm able to really construct where we're going to go with this. And I love doing that. I love thinking about exactly what each couple needs. But there are certain things that I do with almost everybody because I think they're so valuable. 
And I think they're so telling of our money stories and the narratives we tell ourselves. One of those things is the cow with the rope story. It's a fable. It's something that I heard once that I probably don't retell perfectly. It makes probably no logical sense, but it's a cute story and it has a good moral. So here it goes. Basically, there's a little boy and his job is to herd cows. And at the end of each night, he takes each cow and he ties it up to the fence so that it doesn't run away in the middle of the night. And he gets to this one cow and he realizes the rope is gone. So he's trying to figure out what exactly he's going to do and how he's going to get the cow to stay there during the night. So he's thinking and thinking and thinking and he's like, what am I going to do? How am I going to do this? And he decides that he is going to pretend like the cow has the rope and he's going to pretend to tie the cow to the fence and he's going to see if it works. He has no real other choice, so he decides like it's worth a shot, right? So he does it. He pretends to tie the cow to the fence and he goes to sleep. And in the morning, he wakes up and he unties all of the cows and obviously that one has no rope, so he doesn't even really give it a second thought. He doesn't untie it and he starts herding the cattle and that one's staying by the fence. And he's like, what is wrong with this cow? So he goes over and he's trying to nudge it and get it to move and the cow is just not budging. And he's like, what is wrong with this cow? Why isn't it moving, you know? So then he remembers, oh, it thinks it's tied to the fence. So he pretends to untie the cow and lo and behold, the cow starts moving and going with the herd. The moral of the story is that we all have these imaginary ropes that tie us to the fence. We all have these things these, whether it's stories we tell ourselves, whether it is beliefs about, and in this instance, obviously we're talking about money, what, whatever it is, we have those things that basically tie us to the fence and hold us back from achieving what we want to achieve. And so it's my job to bring those out and start talking about those because it's something that we don't like to talk about. It's something that we want to keep inside. Maybe it's embarrassing or shameful, or maybe we feel embarrassed, but it's not really embarrassing. Or maybe it's just something totally false and you've never talked it out with someone. You can't really see how false it is. So it's so powerful to bring those things out and talk about them. So that's what I talked to about Matthew and Leslie, because it's, it's so important to kind of start having those conversations so we know where we stand and we know what's holding us back. The next thing I want to talk about is, I guess I actually am going to switch it up a little bit and start talking about um, our money history, um, because I think it leads to another topic called the money home. So first, we'll talk about our money history. And I, we've already touched a little bit about this. Um, and it's basically, uh, I've actually broken our money our money history up into three parts. And I think what was the most powerful, and it sounds like maybe you guys have already like thought or talked about this was when I actually sat down and, you know, wrote out what my childhood was like in terms of money. And it, it came to me when someone, I had a, a coach for my business and he basically asked me why I was afraid to make money. And I thought he was stupid because I'm like, 
I'm obviously not afraid to make money. That's my whole point in life, right? Like I'm working hard, I'm trying, you know, whatever. And he's like, no, there's something that you're afraid of. What is it? And I'm like, he's full of shit. I mean, sorry. You know, he's full of it. Like, you know, <laughs> um, how, how is this a thing, you know? And then I kind of unpacked what my situation was growing up and my mom was a single mom and, you know, we were always struggling. I was a kid and I was always stressed out about money. And so there's a lot of fear and anxiety that surrounds that. And, you know, there's certain habits in my life when it comes to money, um, that I saw myself mirroring from my mom and, I mean, you know, obviously she did her best, um, but it was something that I could see myself making those, having those same cycles go on in my financial world. And I was like, I can't, this is not acceptable. Um, and so it was so powerful for me to kind of unravel her relationship with money. And then the next part is to then see how, when I, you know, the next step of my life, when I started making money, how did I treat money and what was my relationship with money then? And then kind of when I'm in a relationship, what's my relationship with money and how do I treat that in my relationship? Um, and it was actually very eye-opening for me to, um, to kind of go down that path. So is that, is that something that you guys have already done or? A little bit. Um, I think there's a lot of misconceptions about how we have about our past with money and things like that. Okay, cool. So I think this exercise is going to be really powerful. Um, and so the homework assignment is basically to like write it. And I, I think I said in one of the documents, like if I, I created a, um, a Google form, if you'd rather do it that way, there's a PDF, or if you want to just write it in a journal and take a picture and text it. Um, but I'd like to see it before we go into the next session so that I kind of know how to structure things, if that is okay and makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I would just do a Google doc, um, because then we can just type it up and put it in there and then we can just share and you can have it. So sure. Perfect. That's fine. Yeah. If you just do it like with the table, the header question and just space to write stuff. Um, yeah, we've, we've discussed the, the money origin story for each individually because both of us um, had a very different upbringing, a very different childhood. Um, actually, Yvonne, all the way to the point where we met, it was just very different. And then I think merging households um, was and has been a point of contention because just the way that we view money um, based on where we came from and our outlook of how money should be spent, how it should be made, things like that is just mm -hmm. different. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And it, and this is, you know, this is thankfully the whole point of this whole thing is to kind of, um, gain some understanding about each other and then also kind of try to learn how to effectively work with those differences. Um, so I'm excited for you guys actually. <laughs> um, so good. So I think that the, what our money story does to us. And so I think anytime that we tell ourselves a story, so there's, you know, I've been to one too many self-help seminars. Um, and so, you know, one thing that I have learned though, is that the stories we tell ourselves 
is our truth, right? I mean, unless we make a conscious decision to unpack it, it's, it's our truth. And so it's how we love our lives. And, and so it's kind of funny because it's one of the things that I always told myself was, you know, we always struggled. We were robbing the Peter to pay Paul. And, you know, that's how I viewed it as a kid. And that was my story that, I mean, that was how we lived. I mean, I know I couldn't go to the movies in high school with my friends because we didn't have the money, you know, like I, I always saw that we didn't have the money. Um, but it's funny because talking to my mom about it now, she's like, Oh no. I mean, I, I was just saving for things. I mean, we went on big, you know, we went on little vacations to see this family member in Tennessee or, you know, and so from her standpoint, you know, she was being responsible by saving from my standpoint, we had no money and, you know, things were terrible and I was always stressed out. So, um, part of our money history is our money story as well. And so, you know, part of what I also want you to kind of think about until the next time we talk is what is that thing that you tell yourself all the time with regard to money? Um, what is that either phrase that you say to yourself, your spouse or your kids? Um, what is the, the one fear or thing that repeats in your head? Um, and then there's an exercise there as well to, to go through what are, um, the emotions that you feel, Um, when it comes to money and kind of like selecting them or circling them. So um, I think that that will also kind of give us some insight into, you know, trying to break those, those uh, inner dialogues. Um, Because once we kind of shift those, it'll be much easier to, to shift just in general. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Definitely makes sense. Awesome. So, um, then I, I also kind of wanted to talk about just, um, you know, obviously this whole thing is going to be super focused on finances and, um, money, but obviously having holistic abundance is something that we, um, you know, we want to strive for and keep in mind. And so it's not, you know, we're going to talk a lot about the money, but, um, you know, I don't think it's just cliche to say that money doesn't buy happiness. And so, um, you know, as we're going through the grind, I think that we need to keep in mind, you know, that, um, having a happy, healthy life is obviously, um, you know, the goal yeah, exactly. And, and, you know, having finances that don't stress you out, uh, can definitely aid in that, but it's not the only thing that'll get us there, obviously. Right. A hundred percent. I agree. A hundred percent. Awesome. So, um, next I wanted to talk about, so since you guys watched some of the, um, the little ad videos or whatever, um, you know, the major, my major goal in life, um, is to like bust through the money taboo. Like I, I want people to start talking about their financial situation because I feel like it's healthy. Um, and don't get me wrong. I sometimes still, even though I talk about money all the time, um, 
I'm still sometimes a little stressed out to talk about my own financial situation. And I think it's kind of just how we've been raised. It's societal. It's, um, you know, it's not polite to talk about money and that kind of stuff. So, um, my whole goal in life is to kind of bust through the money taboo. And again, I, you know, I, I truly thank you guys for doing this with me because I think that, you know, together we are going to hopefully help other people like start to have this dialogue and this conversation. Um, and that makes me very excited. <laughs> You're welcome. Um, it's actually interesting so. because if we had done this seminar eight years ago versus now, my perspective on life is so different. Eight years ago, I was um, an account manager for a software company. I was happy with where I was. Um, in my mind, everyone's salary was private. You know, what the company makes, it's up to the owners to decide if they want to disclose or not. Now, my perspective is on almost 180 degree return. Um, my idle in terms of companies is not IBM, but it's now something like MailChimp, which is basically everything's open, unlimited vacation, everything's disclosed, there are pretty much no secrets. And they're on the verge, or I think they've surpassed it, they're on the way to becoming a billion dollar company, just doing emails. And it's very different the way that things change over time due to a number of things that happen in your life and just changes in the economy. But I definitely agree with what you're saying, where if people are just more open with money and able to talk about it, it's just makes things better. Absolutely. 100%. Um, you know, and, and I think that I, I so wish more companies were, were going that route. I mean, that there's so many things and I don't want to get political, but like, you know, wage discrepancies and, and that kind of stuff. And to be transparent about that is huge and it's really amazing. So that's really cool. Um, cool. So, um, I just kind of wanted to go over a couple of definitions, um, to get a little bearing of, um, some things that I may refer to at a certain point, um, just so we kind of are on the same page about, um, what they are. So the, the their financial infidelity and financial intimacy. And so, Financial infidelity is, um, it sounds really harsh, but it's, <laughs> it's, it's just that, you know, there's not a hundred, hundred percent transparency on, um, what is happening with, uh, the money, I guess you could say. And so, um, how it presents itself is, you know, someone may, buy something they don't disclose to their spouse, or they may loan a family member money that they don't disclose to their spouse, or they take out a credit card. Um, and so forget to bring back the books of the library <laughs> and they own books instead of a library. And, and how could you do that? But yeah, I'm, we're familiar with that. Okay. Um, so, yeah, I mean, and it happens. And so when, when it happens, it's because, um, you know, it's typically when someone withholds something, it's typically because they're afraid of telling the truth. And so 
one thing that we have to be mindful of is creating like a safe space um, to be able to kind of talk about not returning the library books on time and not be afraid that you will get kicked out of the house for it. You have to be able to tell each other the truth without fear of retribution, which is exactly what we're teaching our children. You will not get in trouble if you tell the truth. Yes, correct. We'll work through it, but we can work through anything as long as the truth is told. Absolutely. Yeah. Sorry, that's my <laughs> No, I think <laughs> you're spot on. Books, by the way, I'm, I, the, I treat the library more like a Netflix, you know, it's not overdue. You just don't get the next one until you return it. The first one. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So I, I completely agree and you're spot on. So yes. Um, and then financial intimacy is where you can kind of have that vulnerability, that trust, that transparency. And so it's where you, you know, financial infidelity leads to kind of, it can be a slippery slope because, you know, if, you know, if I'm, if I'm caught like sneaking a pair of shoes into the house while, you know, you're taking a shower, uh, you're going to be like, what else are you hiding from me? And then the trust begins to kind of evaporate and then things kind of, and that kind of starts to bleed into other parts of your relationship. And so, I mean, it, it, truly doesn't sound like you guys have this as a problem, but it's something to kind of be mindful of um, and just be aware of making sure that, you know, we're not kind of going down that slippery slope because, you know, they, they don't just say that finances are the number one cause of divorce. I mean, it's, it's a thing. So, um, and I think that the reason it's a thing is because not only because, you know, people argue about money, but it's also because there are certain things that happen that erode the trust and that seeps itself into other areas of the relationship. And so yeah. we have very close friends who, um, with four children, they just got divorced because he wasn't being honest about their financial situation. Oh man. I mean, obviously there were other issues that, that went into this, but that was, um, that was the main thing was that there, she, she didn't, she didn't understand what was going on financially and they were at a very bad place and financially she had, she had no idea. That sucks. Yeah. It's a horrible situation in our community right now. Yeah. That's, I mean, I, I think it happens so much more than, you know, we know, and it's because people don't really talk too much about money, but, um, you know, if those are the ones we know about, how many are there that, you know, we really don't know about, you know, it's crazy. I mean, it's, it's crazy. Um, every couple I talk to really has a story or another, you know what I mean? Like, so, so the problem is real. Um, and so I think that's why, you know, I, when I first started coming up with this program, I thought to myself, Oh, it's, everybody's going to be so annoyed because it's, you know, kind of like, gooey gooey and, you know, um, a little too touchy feely, <laughs> you know, um, I think I'm sorry. I think, I think it's good. I think that like, again, this is also like couples counseling. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but I honestly, I think that me just telling you, Oh, you know, you're spending too much on Starbucks is not going to get you where you need to go any, anywhere near as much as me kind of helping you unpack the uh, more emotional side of things. Um, so, 
you know, I think that we'll strike a good balance, but you know, that's kind of why I'm, I'm including these first couple sessions that are pretty, um, heavy on the like emotional side of things. Mm -hmm. I think it's perfect. Cool. Um, so that's pretty much all of the material I have. Do you guys have any questions or anything you want to talk about or anything that kind of came up while I was talking that sparked something that you'd like to discuss? No, I, I didn't realize your situation when I was in high school because I thought you were part of the in crowd and I was part of the geek squad. And I, I don't know, I was too busy with studies. So I never really did go out, but wow. Yeah, I, I was not part of the in crowd at all. <laughs> Um, I never, all those guys used to, I'm a total dork, but, um, all those guys used to drink and, you know, do other things. And I definitely was not part of that crowd, but yeah, I, yeah, I mean, I, I tried to hide it. Obviously I was embarrassed about it. Um, you know, I never like let anybody come over to my house or, um, it was a very select few that even like kind of knew where I lived, you know? Um, so I, I tried to hide it pretty well, but cool. So I, oh, and I forgot to ask you guys if, um, are we using, I don't think I, maybe I did say your name. Yeah, that's are we doing yeah, your yeah. name? I asked Leslie before and she's like, yeah, it's fine. No one's going to know who we are. So I'm like, perfect. That's And great. even if they did, perfect. That's yeah. the point of this is yeah. that like, who can, like, you know, that's the whole point. Is yeah, exactly. And, I mean, yeah, we're fine. So my hope is that at the end of these sessions, Matthew and Leslie have a clear goal of where they're going and how they're going to get there. To begin with this week, I have had them this week for their homework. They're going to work on unpacking what holds them back. Next week, we're going to be talking about what that is and how we're going to kind of get through it. Next time on Love Then Money, I ask Matthew and Leslie what their money histories are from childhood on. And we talk a lot about their habits and their beliefs surrounding money. You won't want to miss it. So join us next time on Love Then Money. If you like Love Then Money, do me a favor and tell a friend, or five. I'm Azure Ashby, and until next time, I wish you both love and money. Take care. Mm-hmm.